right. Good morning, everybody. Come on, aren't you glad to be at church today? Man, I'm glad you're here. You guys look incredible. Go ahead and pull your notes out. Uh, in your worship guide, there are always copies of uh, our notes. I love this because it gives you a good idea of where we're going. You know what I mean? You can follow along. You know where we're going. Um, I grew up in a church that uh, I never knew where we were going. <laughs> never. And every time I anticipated that I th- thought I might have known where we were going, mm-mm. Never knew. <laughs> it was always a surprise. I'd love to let you know where we're going, but also you're going you're gonna to remember 80% of the things you write down. And if you're like me and you don't write some things down, anybody ever messed up your schedule in a week? Uh, my wife, is, um, she's my saving grace because most of the time I don't write things in a calendar like I should. And I know I tell you guys all the time, write down. I do this from experience. If you don't write it down, you're never going to remember it. And then I've got like 47 appointments on the same day at the same time. And you're embarrassed about it. Y'all don't get embarrassed. Remember, write down the things, and uh, God's going to speak to you today. We're going to open his word, and it's alive and breathing for us. So uh, go ahead and pull those out. We're in a series called Life on Purpose. Uh, We do this about every year. We go through the month of May, and we love just to kind of pull back the curtain and just talk about the mission and vision of what God's called us to do here at Cultivate Church. We're part of the local church, right, the big C church around the world, but we are not any different. We are all the church, and we exist for the world, and we are a portion, like a part of the local church in Shelby County uh, that makes a difference, and we believe as that part, as that portion, we have a specific call on our church. And so if you've got your notes, you can read in John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. It's our theme verse. Jesus is speaking to a woman. I'll give you a little bit of context. He's speaking to a woman at a well from Samaria. This is one of the most popular texts in all of Scripture, specifically because it's so controversial. And when we read it, we don't necessarily see the controversy, but it is a very controversial text because Jesus, who's a Jewish man, is in Samaria. It's not allowed. There for some 400 years had been racial divide between Samaritans and Jews uh, all of those 400 years. And Jews thought Samaritans were kind of half-breeds and they weren't holy and they weren't pure enough. And and Samaritans uh, hated Jews because they thought that and they didn't like each other. And there were spiritual differences and worship style differences and philosophical differences. And they dressed differently. Differently and look differently, and they just didn't like each other. Okay, does that sound familiar to anybody? Huh? I guess it's, it's, it's never. It's, it's culture all over again, right? And so we see in John chapter four where Jesus comes to this well um, in Samaria, where his disciples have already begged him not to go, and he said, "No, no, no, you don't understand. I gotta go. We're going to that point." And I knew. We know now. We look at the scripture and we go, "Jesus had to go because of this moment." And he gets to the well and he has a conversation with a woman who is an outcast in her culture and in her city. And what's so crazy about this, this is the longest recorded conversation in the Bible between Jesus and anybody else. Now, of all the things God could have recorded, don't you think like there could have been really good, lengthy conversations about theology and the grace of God and the goodness of God with his disciples and all he was calling them to do. And, you know, John wrote this uh, wrote the book of John, and, and, and he says, and he writes it, he records it about himself, I was the disciple that Jesus loved. <laughs> like, he was pretty prideful about that, and you could have thought that he would have recorded all the conversations that he had personally, but I just think, man, the longest recorded conversation between Jesus was any, with anybody is Jesus and somebody who had completely messed up their life. And then he goes on to tell her, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give them will never be thirsty again. 
I love this text because you can read the, ba- the banter back and forth between her because she hears Jesus say this, and he's talking all spiritual things. She's thinking all physical things, and she thinks, uh, what kind of water are you talking about, Jesus? Is this Fuji? Is this smart water? Is it like, what kind of water are you want? I mean, I, obviously this is like unfiltered well water, and if you've got a better water than this, then I don't have to keep coming back to this piece of water and get every single day because, hey, man, these buckets are heavy. This load is heavy. I don't like coming by myself, all of that stuff. And eventually, they get to the point where Jesus helps her understand radical life transformation, that, they're, that he is offering her life change in a moment. He is offering her in that moment a decision to be made that would radically alter the direction of her life. Not next year, next month. Not after she went through, you know, the 12 stages of theology and understanding. Like, like not after she walked through all the classes and memorized all the verses. No, 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 no. Immediate life change. She radically was changed in a moment. And she left a town outcasted. Nobody caring anything about her. And if you read, continue to read in John chapter 4, you'll see the Bible says she laid her bucket. She dropped her bucket, went into the town, said, come see a man who's told me everything I've ever known. Surely this has to be the Messiah. She leaves an outcast. She returns an evangelist. And everybody in the town all of a sudden cares what she has to say. Radical life change. I believe that's for us and we believe it's for our community. And, and, and we believe it's why God has called us here. So week one, we talked about our passions. What are we passionate about as a church? And we said that God is calling us to develop in people a passion for God, a passion for other people, and a passion for purpose. We believe that most people are just kind of in the rat race of life. Why do I believe that? Because I was that. We, we, we've all been there at some point. Anybody ever just kind of been through, walking through life? And, you know, you're told, we're told the whole thing, you know, get a good education, make good grades so that you can get into a good college. And get in, you know, make good grades in college so that you can get a good job and make good money so that one day, hopefully, you know, you can retire um, old and irritable away from everybody on earth, right? Like, our dream is one day, like, we, we all love the dream of, right, getting into the community with the perfect neighbors and the picket fence. And by the time we're, like, at retirement age, our dream is to move as far away from people as humanly possible uh, in a gated home and, you know, with cameras and everything so that nobody could ever know when I walk outside. That's like, that's the American dream. And God's saying, there's more to life than this. Most of us exist walking through life missing our purpose. And our hope is to develop a purpose inside of people. And last week we talked about going for great. What does it look like for us to know that we've got significance? Y'all, that, that, that God is calling character out of us. That there is more to life spiritually than we give things credit for. He is calling us to another level in our life as followers of Jesus. Jesus said it this way. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and life to the fullest. Fullest. Like all things encompassed together to give you a full life. That's the hope and plan of God. And then today, uh, I love this, this message. The title of our message today is called Love the Leper. Love the leper. You know, it's clear. It's a clear theme all throughout Scripture that God's priority, he places a high priority on being with people. Like his priority has been people. Jesus modeled it by proclaiming. Y'all know what he said? Jesus modeled it by proclaiming, whosoever will. 
Jesus comes on the scene in a season and in a moment of life where religion, religion wasn't dead. Religion ruled the day. But religion was so exclusive that unless you said certain things and looked a certain way and acted a certain way, you were not invited into the religious crowd or the religious circle. And then along comes Jesus who totally wrecks the whole thing. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm here for whosoever will. There's an interesting thing about the word, uh, the word all. Y'all know what it means in Greek? It's really interesting. You ready for it? All. That's it. You don't have to, there's not a lot of uh, parsing that has to happen. You don't have to read a lot of, uh, you know, uh, Greek, know a lot of it to figure all that part out. It simply means everybody. Oh, me and the decisions that I've made and the life that I've lived? Yep, you. Everybody. All people. Some people have pushed back from that from, from time to time over the years, right? Because they didn't see the same value that Jesus saw in people. Sadly, that still exists in our culture today, even in our churches. Today, we're going to declare and discover what it means for us to love the leper. What does that look like? So I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive into our notes today. Father, we love you. Man, we're grateful for your goodness and your grace and mercy in our life. God, I pray in the name of Jesus as we open your word. This is not just some history book that we're reading. This isn't some suggestion laid out over time, but man, it's your word. The word became flesh and walked among us. It's everything in this world was created by you and for you and through you, and it is to you that we live our lives. And so, God, as we open up your word, I pray the power of the Holy Spirit performs spiritual surgery on our souls and our hearts today, that we're inspired to live our life on purpose in a way that honors you, that you would get honor and glory out of it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. I believe this. As a church, we're capable. We are capable. You'll see in Mark chapter 1 this idea of all the things really controversial. Jesus is just this controversial figure, right? Um, it says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. Hey, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. And that, that's, a, that's a pretty strong statement right there. That's a pretty big, bold statement. You know, leprosy was a big deal. It was, a, like it was, it was considered to be a curse on humanity in that day and time. And, and so this guy, bold, I mean, he'd, he'd tried everything. You know what I mean? Anybody ever like, I'm, in my last, I'm, I'm, I'm at the last straw. This is it, all I got. He went, kneels in front of Jesus, and begs him to heal him. Here's the question I want to ask you today. Write this in your notes. What is kneeling in front of me? What's kneeling in front of me? Who is kneeling in front of us as a church? That's a reality. Jesus is there and he walks in. And of all the things, it was the one thing like that they don't have an answer for. And he kneels in front of Jesus and says, I know you have the answer. You can heal me if you just will. We got a lot of things kneeling in front of us culturally in 2023. In 2021, we know that the Surgeon General declared a mental health crisis that was only uh, that was only executed or exacerbated through um, through 2020. It was it was fast forwarded. What people thought was going to take a decade took three months for people to to uh, to go literally almost lose their minds through uh, through the chaos of what was happening. Y'all know this that 90 percent in our culture today, 90 percent of addiction in America happens begins before the age of 18. 
Check this out. Did you know that the average age children, the average age that a, that a person is introduced now to sexual sin or pornography in some way, the age is shrinking. A decade and a half ago, it was like age nine. And then it went to age uh, eight and seven. It's like six and a half now today. Y'all see a trend. Everything just kind of keeps... The enemy is literally... The Bible says Jesus has been declaring it prophetically for thousands of years. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And increasingly through culture, the age that it is being addressed on by him, the age that he is attacking the most is increasingly growing. Younger and younger and younger. If the trends continue in this way that we're going now, they say, experts say, that the Christianity would make up less, more than, less than half of the population in America in just a decade or so. And I would tell you this, that they think just a couple of decades, but as, as fast as things, we know how something can go from this to that in a moment in our culture and in our lives. It is, it is literally, the culture is kneeling before saying, what can you do? And the church much like culture in the day, unfortunately, over the last few decades, we've grown really, really good at religion. And we've overlooked and we've misinterpreted the, the reality of culture begging for help. And along comes Jesus. Here's the question. Am I willing? Am I willing to make a difference? We've always been a place for, for anyone. We've always been a whosoever will church. We've always been open-armed and open-handed to reach people that are far from God. And we've always declared that like Jesus did. God will meet you right where you are. But I'm telling you, if you've really authentically met God, he will never leave you like he found you. He will always change. He will always bring something into your life that changes the circumstance. And like, like am I? The question is, am I? capable. Can I tell you, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are capable. There's a reality. The Bible talks about it in Galatians chapter 6, that as a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives. And we have grown up in a culture. I did. I, the culture that I grew up in taught this. Hey, you don't judge anybody. Don't judge me. You can't tell me. Listen, that is so unbiblical and it is demonic. Let me tell you why. Jesus said, you will know them by the fruit that they what? Bear. You'll know them. Man, you can, you can decipher. We're all human. We can decipher whether somebody looks a certain way, acts a certain way. Their life is modeling a certain thing. Hey, listen, y'all. An apple tree is just never going to produce an orange. It's not going. Like, you know, you'll go out in the car. You'll go out and you'll go, oh, that's an apple orchard. Oh, there's a bunch of orange trees. Like, you know, he said, you'll know them by the fruit that they bear. In Galatians chapter 6, man, I love scripture because it always just gives us good understanding. And it reminds us of the fruit. And so here's some questions that you can ask yourself. Am I capable? What kind of fruit is my life producing? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. He goes on to say, of which there are no laws against. And my question to us today as a capable church, come on, are we producing the things in our life that is a, that is a direct result of Jesus working in our life? I believe this, that listen, we aren't the healers. It's God through us that makes us capable of empathy, that makes us capable of truth, that makes us capable of love and compassion and walking with people through difficult conversations and situations. That's the church. 
the church. We exist for the world. We, we don't exist for ourselves. We exist to make a difference in our sphere of influence. And heads up. Y'all ready for this? Heads up. The world is messy. It's just not going to be wrapped in a perfect little bow. And every time we get, it, get, like, get into society and get into culture, it's just not going to be perfect. Jesus lived in a day in which all of the religious leaders wanted to push away the mess. And they just wanted to address what looked good and felt good and, and looked right. And Jesus was the one stepping into all the mess. Church, can I tell you, we are the only things capable of bringing change to the mess of society around us. The local church is the hope of the world. The local church through your job and through your community and at the ballpark and yes on Sundays. But it's not just on Sundays. It's us leaving these four walls and making a difference. We're capable to make a difference. But it's going to take more than simply recognizing it. I love it. Number two, we need to know that we're compassionate. We are compassionate. I love this. Because the, next, the very next phrase, it says, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the le- leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Now, this is a very controversial moment because we know the law. The law, he broke the law in that moment. Jesus had just broken the law. The law said you couldn't touch a leper. The law said there was no way that you could touch it. Literally, when Jesus touched that man, everybody standing around that knew anything about, what, about anything went. It was that. It was total shock. Because it had never happened. Broke the law. I am willing. He was moved with compassion. You see, most of us have empathy. Most people in society, most of you, most of us, we all have a sense of empathy. In other words, you feel bad when you see something that shouldn't be. Right? Like you all remember the old commercials back in the day of the homeless dogs? In the arms of an angel. Come on, y'all know it. Fly away with me. And instantly... Like, I can't hear that song ever again and not feel bad. I, I'm taken back to the commercial. And everybody, every one of you, every one of you felt bad. But also, every single one of you did what? Click. Well, I wish I could do something. I just, I just feel bad for those poor puppies. Empathy. Empathy. I feel bad, but I'm not doing anything. <laughs> right? We all have empathy. We have lots of empathy, but the difference between compassion and empathy is compassion moves you to action. Compassion moves you to do something. Compassion moves you to reach out and touch what other people won't touch. It moves you to reach out and give to circumstances others won't give to. It moves you to sacrifice. See, Jesus was in a moment in which he knew to reach out and touch this person was going to change his life, but it was also going to change his reputation. It was going to change this man's life, but now the reputation of Jesus would be tainted in the religious circle. And am I willing to be so compassionate about what God's called me to do to reach a community that's far from God that I'm okay with my reputation being tainted a little bit by religious people? Does that matter? We are compassionate. He said, I'm willing. I'm willing. 
You see, the law with those for leprosy was they had to wear torn clothes, leave their hair uncombed, cover their mouth, and announce unclean, and live outside the community in isolation. It was believed that leprosy was a complete curse. So every time someone with leprosy needed to come into the city, as they entered into the gates of the city, they would cover their mouths and they would scream, unclean, unclean. Hey, y'all, it's me. That was their lot in life. Y'all, what if we had to do that every Sunday when we walked into church? What if all of us just lined up outside and that's what we just got to do? It was just a fun, exciting day, right? We all lined up and we, we, we declared our brokenness in front of everybody. Unclean, unclean. This is my addiction. This is my struggle. This is my sin. This is what makes me broken. And you got everybody just lined up in the halls, just listening to every bit of it. Y'all think we'd have a good crowd? <laughs> right? Compassion. But y'all, that's our heart. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. Jesus knew something that everybody else didn't know. This person you're forcing to yell and shout, unclean, unclean. The only difference between him and you is he's saying it out loud. And so we know every week when people walk through these doors and every day when we get up and go to work and every day when I get up and go to school, I recognize that I'm surrounded with broken people that are far from God and need a Savior. And so we're compassionate. We want to touch every one. God's given us a hope and a vision to reach people in their places of life. So we're involved in schools and we're involved in the community and we're involved on Sundays and on Wednesdays and in children's ministry and student ministry and celebrate recovery and every person that has a habit and a hang up and all of the stuff and everybody likes to look at that and go, oh yeah, man, I don't have leprosy. Poor him. Yeah, but you got something. Like you got something. There's something that's pulled you away. How do I know? Because the Bible tells us all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We've messed it up. And we need a Savior. And we need empathetic, compassionate people like Jesus to say, I'm willing. Man, nobody else may be. But I'm going to reach down and help you in your circumstance, in your situation. Y'all know this? Listen to this. Christian philanthropy made up, accounted for 70% of all philanthropy. In 2022, 70%, $300 billion came from people following Jesus. Christians outgave the government in addressing global poverty, according to Barna. Here's what that says. If the local church don't exist, we think the world's bad now. My hope is that if... If, if the community, is, Shelby County, God's called us to, if, if, if we were to disappear tomorrow, what kind of change would that be in our community? They would miss us, right? Why? Not because we can say, look at us, but it's an opportunity for us to say, look at God. We're compassionate. That should move us to action. So here's my question for you. You want to write this down. What's my course of action this week? What's my course of action? Some of y'all are like, oh, man, that's good. That's good, Pastor. I can't wait to see what y'all do this next week. And uh, I, can't, I can't wait to see what the church does next month. No, no, no. Hey, y'all, we are the church. We exist for the world. The church is far beyond a gathering on Sunday. The church is powerless if the church is not in action Monday through Saturday. 
The church is useless if we together aren't putting what God's called us to do at our jobs and in our neighborhoods and at the ballpark and in the classrooms. We are the church. What's my course of action? How am I going to show compassion this week? And then number three, I believe this as a church, we're committed. We are all in. If we're sitting at the poker table, you can show us going, we don't have a good poker face. We're all in. It's all or nothing. Mark chapter 2, you can continue on in this passage of Scripture. Jesus heals the leper. He gets up, and not only did he take the leper with him, he's been healed. He brings him into dinner, right? He's at a dinner with people, and it says, But when the teachers of the religious law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with such scum? I love it. Jesus can read their minds. He said, when he heard this, he told them. He said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Why am I going to be sitting around with healthy people? He said, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. All right, last question you want to ask yourself today. What does my circle of influence look like? Write that question down, and I want you to survey yourself. Who's in my sphere of influence? Who are my friends? Who are the people that I'm doing life with? Am I allowing myself to be surrounded with people that if somebody like a Pharisee were to walk into my dinner table, they would go, what the heck are they doing with them? And I would submit that if somehow there's not somebody in your life that you are the light of Jesus to, you are missing The point. You're missing it. We're missing it. We were told years ago, Brandon and I, Brandon Matthews and I served on staff at a church together. And we started an inner city ministry. And and it started with just our vehicles. We were picking up kids, a couple here and there. And um, what started is just a handful of kids in our our little bitty vehicles. I drove a 1991 Ford Ranger. Called it the Danger Ranger. Some of y'all have heard of that. I'll show you pictures one day. The whole front end was caved in. And it was my fault. I did it. Okay, I get it. I understand. (laughs) Couldn't afford to fix it, but it still drove. So I drove that thing. And we would drive through neighborhoods and pick up kids. And we would pick up kids whose parents did not care if they went to, if they, if if a broken down 1991 Ford crashed beat up Ranger would pick their kids up. I would literally drive through, find kids out in the parking lots and go, hey, y'all want to come to church? They'd go, yes, all right, get in, let's go. Literally bring them back. They were so dumb. I was so dumb. Well, they would bring them back at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. Mom would be like, where have you been? And I was like, hey, I just passed her up this road. We took them to church, and they'd be like, oh, okay, thank God. That's all they, they didn't care. We would just pick up kids, and what started as 15 or 20 kids eventually became almost 200 kids every week. We, were, we would find ways. We would, hide, we would bring people. Volunteers would come, and we would pack them in our cars. We finally got a van that we had to hit the starter on every week just to get it to start. But we were glad to have it, and we would pick kids up every single week. And it became so much. We were bringing so many kids that it began to look different. And so some Pharisees in our church came in and said, what are y'all doing? And then our pastor caught wind, and because it was a difficult circumstance that we were in, we were reaching people that looked different from everybody else in our church. And we were told we had to go to an off-site situation with that particular ministry. And we, when, we, when we asked, why in the world would we do that? And we were told, because one day you'll understand when you pastor a church that you've just got to gotta do what you got to do. And can I tell you, church, I never understood it, and today I don't understand it. 
Because we are called to people who know they are sinners. We're not here for people who know they got it all together. Y'all, you're not here for people that know they got it all together. You're not at the ballpark every week with your kids, day in and day out, just to hang around the people who think they got it all together. You're not at your job every week just to find relationship that's easy and easy to navigate and work through. No, 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 no. We are here and breathing and have purpose in our lungs so that people that are far from God might know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. That's it. That's all we're here for. So we're all in. We're committed. We will literally do anything short of sin to reach people that are far from God with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes that means we get talked about in religion, religious circles. And sometimes that means that our reputation amongst other areas doesn't necessarily look like maybe some people would want it to look. But we ain't worried about other reputations. We're living for an audience of one. And if you're here today, I want you to know, listen, maybe you're kicking the tires on Cultivate Church. Welcome, all of our guests today. Day, all those tuning in online. Maybe, maybe this isn't for you because we will literally do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus. And if you're in for that, come on, we're going to link arms and we're going to storm hell with a water pistol if that's all we got. And we're going to fight the good fight and we're going to see the gospel change people's lives. Amen. That's what we're here for, y'all. We're compassionate. We're, we're literally committed all in. What's it going to take? Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Here's what I know. There are people in your life right now. There are people in your life right now. You ain't even got to necessarily go do anything different. Some of us tomorrow, we're going to go to work and we're just going to open our eyes and all of a sudden we're going to see things a little different. You are surrounded with people who need a Savior. We are surrounded with people who need a Savior. What's our course of action? Are we just going to be empathetic? Or are we going to be compassionate? Is it going to, are we going to reach out and touch the leper? And is it going to make a difference in their lives? I want to pray for you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Listen, our band's going to come. Nothing funny or weird, I promise. We're just going to pray. This is a holy moment between you and God. I gave you some questions to ask yourself this morning. And this is a moment in which you can survey those, those questions, those ideas. Honestly, these are easy questions. These aren't things you have to ponder very long. Who's kneeling in front of me? Who are the people in my life that I know, I know, I know they need Jesus? Am I moved with compassion or just empathy? Do I just want to act like everything's okay and, and be, be accepted by everyone around me? Or am I going to be moved with compassion to touch people that are untouchable? Am I committed? Am I all in? Maybe you're here today and you are. Like you need Jesus. You need a relationship with him. It all simply starts there. And you would say, Father, forgive me of my sin. And I'm far from you. I've thought I've gone too far and I've done too much. But today I recognize that you're as close as the mention of your name. So Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Help me, God, to live a life on purpose that honors you. From this day forward, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. Thank you for salvation. God, thank you for my church today. Thank you for this family of believers, followers of Jesus, sold out to who you've called us to be in Shelby County. 
God, that we would do whatever it takes, go as far as we need to go, touch as many as we need to touch, help as many as we need to help. We will do anything short of sin to reach people with the gospel of Jesus. If you've ever used anybody, God, use us. On our jobs this week, in our neighborhoods, at the ballpark, use us. Give us eyes to see and hearts that are moved with compassion to reach out and help and serve and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Oh God, that you would get all of the honor and the glory out of our lives. Thank you for this opportunity, God, to be Jesus to the world around us. God, we'll give you all the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, 1015. Can you honor Jesus today? Come on, he's worthy.